Joshua chapter 9, verse number 3 says, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wily and went and made as if they had been ambassadors. And they took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and unto the men of Israel, We become from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us. How shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? And from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a far country thy servants are come, because of the name of the Lord thy God. And For we have heard of the fame of him, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did unto the kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, unto Sihon king of Heshbon, to Og of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake unto us, saying, Take Vittles, that's a West Virginia word, isn't it? Take vittles with you for the journey and go and meet them and say unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This is our bread which we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day that we came forth unto you. But now, behold, it's dry and moldy. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they be rent. And these are garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. And the men took of their victuals, their victuals, and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live, and the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And it came to pass at the end of the three days, after they had made a league with them, that they heard that they were neighbors and that they dwelt among them. Uh, We'll break down this story uh, a, little, a little further here in just a moment. But uh, I want to talk to you about vulnerability after victory. Vulnerability after victory. We, we may not shout and dance and run laps around the building tonight. But the Bible says that we, God said, my people are destroyed for lack, not lack of worship. Not a lack of music, not a lack of hand clapping, shouting and dancing. But he said, my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. And so I want to, I want to talk to us tonight. I want to impart some knowledge if we can. Can we lay our Bibles to the side if you got one? Put your phone down if you got one. Can we lift our hands in the air and ask the Lord to talk to us? Father, you're so powerful and wonderful. I thank you for what we feel. I thank you for your presence in this. God, you're so, so good to us. I pray that you'll talk to us. God, take away my thoughts, but I pray that you will put in my mind and my mouth the things that you want to speak to this congregation. I pray that you'll help me to speak clearly. I pray that you will allow me to speak concisely exactly what you want us to hear. Let your holy anointing flow today in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. You need to know this as you are seated. You need to know this before I, I go any further. That when you make a move 
toward God. And you make, a, you make spiritual progress in the direction of God. Know that the enemy is a student of that. And he is going to come after you. We as a church need to be able to teach this to new converts. You need to be able to tell people that when they come to an altar and they repent, whatever, whatever move they make toward God, and then on Monday they get punched in the mouth, we as a church need to be able to communicate to them the enemy has identified that you are moving toward God and he has ramped up his assault. Don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed, and don't be surprised if you get attacked on Monday after having a great Sunday. Because the enemy of your soul, he is here. He's come to, to, to kill, steal, and destroy. So understand that the enemy is going to attack you. And we need to, well, I'm just going to keep talking. We need to identify that as a church. Let me talk to the church. We need to identify when we see people make a move toward God, whether it's the first time they've come to church, whether they come to the altar the first time, whether it, you just notice them and they've got tears streaming down their face for the first time. We as a church need to lift them up and cover them in prayer. Can anybody just kind of wave at me and, and tell me, I, I experienced the same thing? I've experienced setback when I thought I was going forward. Why? Because the enemy is going to ramp up his assault. His job is to destroy you. His job is to keep you from, from having victory. And so uh, we need to understand that. Uh, the... The, the story that we, that we read here, it is post maybe the greatest victory in the Old Testament. We could, we could talk about the most amazing victories in the Old Testament. Uh, but, but certainly Jericho is on the short list of miracles and, and victories that God gave to his people. After Jericho, they had a little hiccup, and then they eventually got victory at Ai. And so the people of God were, were in a position where they had seen God work on their behalf, and they knew God could do anything. They were in a position where they knew whatever God promised, He was able and willing to deliver what He promised. Uh, they, they had seen the greatest victory. God started with the greatest thing. Isn't that amazing? Man, we could talk about that for a little bit. We could go back to Easter and talk about the cross. He conquered death first. <laughs> the greatest enemy, he conquered that first. So don't worry about uh, our, our little things that we deal with. If he could conquer death, he can conquer anything. He, he gives the greatest victory first. And so he had given them this great victory. They had marched around the walls of Jericho. The walls came a-tumbling down. And so here they were. Man, God is doing this thing that he promised that he would do. And, and so they, they're having victory. They're in the promised land. And God had told them, don't make any league. Don't make any promise. Don't make any peace treaties with the enemy. You're going to go in there, you're going to wipe everything out because this, is, this, this place is for the people of God. And so uh, they, they were on the way to doing that. Wipe out Jericho, wipe out Ai. 
But then it says that the people of the land began to deal wildly, you know, like the coyote. Only the people over 30 know what I'm talking about. Is that rock out beside the road not the greatest thing ever? I wish they'd have left. I know it's the second time I've mentioned it, but it was wonderful. Kids, I'm not a fan of graffiti, but that was tasteful. <laughs> the enemy began to deal... Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. There's a big boulder beside the road between... Uh, right before you got into alloy, right? Is that where it was? There was a big boulder beside the road. It's about this big. And somebody spray painted Acme on it. If you don't get it now, you ain't going to. So. <laughs> the enemy began to deal wily with them. The Gibeonites looked at the victory at Jericho. They looked at the victory at Ai. And the Gibeonites said, there ain't no way that we can stand against the people of God. So they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put on some old clothes. We're going to put on some old worn out shoes. Let's find some moldy bread. Let's find some wineskins that are all cracked and broken. Uh, and let's, let's go and meet with God's people. And so they came and they, they, they just came a couple days from a couple days journey. But they came to Joshua and they said, Joshua, hey, we have heard of the things that your God has done. And uh, we want to make a pact with you that you don't destroy us. And Joshua said, hey, God says, we've got to wipe everybody out. Maybe you're part of this land. And, and the Gibeonites said, no, 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 no. Look at our bread. It's all molded. Look at our shoes. They're all worn out. Look at our clothes. They're all tattered and torn. Look at, look at everything we got here. Look at our, our wineskins. They're all broken. This bread was hot. It came right out of the oven when we left the house months ago. Nah, we're not in this land. We're from far away. And it says that the men of Israel took of their victuals, took of that food, and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. We need to understand that our enemy is as a roaring lion. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The message translation says it this way. Keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. He doesn't care what you're going through or what you just came through. He's looking for an opportunity to pounce. Imagine with me that, uh, that, that herd of, of wildebeest or gazelles or whatever out on the, the savannah. There's a lion that's waiting and watching, looking for one who's not being vigilant. He's looking for one that's on the, the edge of the herd who, who maybe uh, has separated himself a little bit. Maybe he's just not paying attention. He's looking for an opportunity to pounce. And one of our weaknesses is whenever we have just experienced victory, for some reason we start to let down. It's human nature to start to relax. There is a danger in relaxing when things go well. When I'm in a desperate situation, 
And I want to make sure, when I'm in a desperate situation, let me just preach to you. Let me just testify a little bit. Maybe you'll help me out. When I'm in a desperate situation, I want to make sure spiritually all my I's are dotted and all my T's are crossed. I want to make sure I'm doing everything right. When I'm in a desperate situation... Y'all with me? When I'm in a desperate situation, I want to make sure I don't miss church. I want to make sure I don't miss prayer time. I'm going to make sure that I don't let things into my life. Because I need an answer from God. I'm going to make sure that I, I am as tuned in with God as I possibly can be. But after the victory, I'm good now. When things are going smoothly, there's a danger in doing well. There is vulnerability in victory. So I want to talk to you about some of those vulnerabilities and some of those dangers. The first one's in the story that we read, that everything was going well, and whenever they were offered the opportunity to strike a peace treaty, the Bible says that they asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. We must be careful that after victory we don't allow prayerlessness to set in. They did not seek the direction of God. We pray when we need a miracle. We pray when we're confused. We pray when we're broke. We pray when we're sick. We pray when the kids are sick. We pray when we need a job. We pray when we need understanding. We pray. You fill in the blank. But after that victory came, now I got this, God. They didn't even think about asking God, what do you think about this, Lord? The testimony of the writer was not to blame the Gibeonites. It was to blame the prayerlessness of the people of God. We cannot be prayerlessness. Ephesians 6 and 18 says, Praying with all manner, or all prayer and all supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The Amplified says it this way, Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of God's saints, God's consecrated people. In other words, pray all the time. Pray about everything. As I was in my prayer time today and I was pondering this message, I said, God, I don't ever want to get to a point where I'm making decisions and not counseling with you first. Man, I don't want to make... Now, you know, maybe y'all should think I should have prayed about my outfit. I'm not going to pray about stuff like that. But if there is a decision that's going to affect my future, that's going to affect my family, I don't want to make decisions based on observation. I want to make decisions based on, I've sought the Lord about this and now I have peace. Amen. David, over and over again, and I, you can... Uh, you can search this out if you've got a Strong's Concordance. Uh, but over and over again, David would ask the Lord, Shall I go up? David would be faced with an adversary. And God said, Shall we go up? Shall we go fight? Shall I do this? And sometimes God said, Yeah, do it this way. And then other times God said, Nope, hold on. Let's do it a different way. But he sought counsel at the mouth of the Lord. We must understand that at a time of victory, we still need to seek God. Yeah, that's right. 
Here's what Isaiah says about, let me just read this, Isaiah 30 and verse number 1, Woe unto the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. Woe unto the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. And that cover with the covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. He said, rebellious people will look for counsel, but they don't ask me. There are so many voices. You can just Google it, man. Someday, Brother Tex, we'll be able to Google, should I, blah, blah, blah. You might think that's hyperbole, but I think that we have a day coming where Google's going to know us so well that you're going to be able to ask Google, what should I do in this situation? And it's going to give you a computer-generated algorithmic answer of what you should do. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. We believe the book is true. We believe God is always right. I don't want to get counsel from somebody that doesn't even believe the book. I want to ask God first. I want to ask the book first. And I, I want to ask the people. I want to ask godly people. I don't want to be rebellious, which he says as they take counsel, but not of me. Amen. We need to be prayerful. Look at somebody and say, don't let down on prayer just because you got one answered. Somebody say, don't relax. Don't relax. All right. That's, that is the first danger, the first vulnerability, is we have this propensity to forget to pray. Number two, Deuteronomy 6 and 10 says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which you builded not, Houses full of good things which thou fillest not, wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou have eaten and be full, then beware. He says, when you get everything that I have promised, then you should beware. I don't know of a lot of scriptures that say, when you're in the heat of the battle, beware. Because we're naturally wary. But he says, whenever all this stuff that I promised you, when you've eaten to the full, beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. Don't forget what God has done for you. The second danger of doing well, or the second vulnerability in victory, is forgetfulness. 
It's not remembering it was God that provided. It was God that made everything happen. When you are well, don't forget about God. Amen. He says, Lest when thou have eaten and are full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelled in them, when you've got herds and flocks and they multiply, you've got silver and gold that's multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. I want to get there, by the way. Well, let's talk for a second. The apostle, I think it was John, it might have been Paul, one of them wrote, and he said, I pray that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. And I am convinced that God has to send famine in some of our lives because we couldn't handle a bumper crop. I am convinced that God has to send famine into some of our lives because we couldn't handle a bumper crop. I want my soul to prosper. I want your soul to prosper. Why don't you just throw your hands in the air and ask God, God, I want my soul to prosper. I want to be spiritual. I want to be close to you. I want you to be able to trust me with increase so that you can bless your kingdom through me. But God, don't let me be destroyed by the blessing. Jesus! Mm. He says, because when, when you're... you're your herds multiply and your gold and your silver is multiplied and everything that you have is multiplied. He says in verse 14 of Deuteronomy 8, he says, Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. He says, You better be careful when I bless you, that you forget it was me that blessed you. You better be careful. Here you are, you're, you're making six figures. God has blessed you. You better be careful sitting there making six figures and forget that, man, I did this. Look what I did. Man, I'm smart. That's why I got this job. I'm a good worker. That's why I got this position. I, I'm good at this. That's why, that's why I'm... No, 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 no. If you're blessed, you're blessed because God blessed you. We better never forget we're blessed because God has... Mm, there's a song that says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. God, help us not to forget that whatever we have, we have it because of you. There's a danger of the self-sufficiency delusion. If we begin to believe we can do this on our own, soon God will give us the opportunity to try it on our own. God, I want to walk hand in hand with you. So the second danger in doing well is that we become self-sufficient. And forget that it's God that did it. Elbow somebody, tell them God did it. Elbow somebody else, tell them you ain't that smart. He goes on and he says, Here's a danger whenever we are blessed, we can become tyrannized by the blessing. Let me 
Let me break that down a little bit. We can have so much stuff that our stuff controls us rather than us controlling the stuff. All of a sudden, my, my, my time and my, my devotion, my money, my effort and my dedication, I'm so busy with all the stuff that God has blessed me with that I don't have time to turn and bless the Lord. Be careful lest you begin to worship what the people of the land worship. What were the people of the land devoted to? They were devoted to what we call idols. But we don't call them, we don't call it idol worship in this culture. We've got another word for it. We just call it culture. I got to move on here. Tell them again, you wasn't that smart. Maybe the most dangerous. Ah, let, me, let, me, let me talk about Laodicea for just a second. Because that's the preacher's friend in, in Revelation. You know, because God just trashes Laodicea. So, so, so as the preacher, Brother Josh, we can stand up here and just trash the people of Laodicea and let the word work on people. The people in Laodicea, they said, we are blessed and increased with goods. In Laodicea, they had uh, this special eye treatment. If you had an eye problem, they had an eye salve that they were famous for in Laodicea. In Laodicea, they, had, they were well-dressed in Laodicea. They had nice garments in Laodicea. They had it going on. But God said to them, you, oh, I've got to tell you one more, one other thing about Laodicea. They had, they had a, they had modern plumbing. Not modern for today, but modern for their time. They had modern plumbing. They had a, a water source, and then they had conduits that flowed all through the city. Which was nice. Except that when the water would flow all through the city in these open conduits, it was just, just out there in, in the atmosphere, you know, got hit by the sunshine and got cool at night, but it was never really cold and it was obviously never really hot. So they had an understanding of this term, lukewarm. God spoke to them and said, you say you've got all this stuff, but you're neither cold nor hot, you are lukewarm you have said you are rich and increased with goods you've got all this stuff but let me how about you counsel with me and you buy eye salve from me because you're actually blind why don't you counsel with me and buy some garments from me because you're actually naked you have become lukewarm and increased with goods as 21st century apostolic church we're no longer on the other side of the tracks we're in a nice air-conditioned building, and I wish it was a little cooler in here right now, frankly. But we've become comfortable. We can't become so increased with goods and blessed by God that we are no longer passionate about the things of God. 
I would rather there be a coal stove in the middle of the building and a hot prayer meeting surrounding it than for us to ever become lukewarm in our spirits. The Bible says, Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Let it never be said that we have become relaxed, that we have become complacent in the house of God. We must be passionate always in the house of God. And don't let God, don't let blessings result in lukewarmness. i got to move on. Uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse number 18. I'm going to talk about the last danger of doing well. Um, and the sons of Noah that went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be an husbandman. And he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent. When Noah got through the mess, when the miraculous was over with, that's where Noah stumbled. He allowed indulgence and sin to creep into his life. How about in the mouth of two or three witnesses? It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon. And it came to, but David tarried still at Jerusalem and it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David had fought many battles. But he got to the point where he didn't have to go out and fight those battles anymore. He, he had somebody else to go fight for him. And it says, Brother Tim, that in an evening time, in other words, in the afternoon, he got up off his bed... in a time when kings go forth to battle. It was a time when David should have been in the fight, but he didn't have to. He'd already been blessed. And there in the middle of the afternoon, he'd been taking a little nap, and that's when David fell into his worst sin. In a time of relaxing is when David fell into his biggest sin. I, I, we can go on and on. Samson was never defeated in battle. He was defeated in the lap of comfort. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Don't stop praying. Don't stop fighting. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood hasn't revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is never going to be out of spiritual conflict. There is always going to be a war. We better stay engaged in the war, because it's in the time of relaxation that sin can creep in. When you, have, when you have prayed and you felt like you got the victory, you better look around. Be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, the devil, he's looking. And after you've been in a red-hot church service and you've gotten a breakthrough and you feel the victory, you better be careful what you surf on. You better be careful what you read. You better be careful what you look at because the enemy is always crouching at the door. 
waiting to pounce. And if we're not careful, we will let our guard down in the time of victory. There, we cannot, oh church, stand to your feet tonight. We cannot afford to be vulnerable at the time of victory. I, I want to read you one more scripture and then I'm going to, I'm going to come to a close. Jesus said these words, Mark 13, 37, And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. We cannot afford at this late date to become lax. Let me give you one more scripture. I better read it. Hebrews chapter number 12. can't quote the whole Bible, please forgive me. Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run. Everybody say run. Run with patience this race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We've got to run this race. There's time. You can take a breather. You can take a breather. That's okay. But we've got to run this race. I've shared with the ministry team, I've probably said this in this pulpit multiple times, but if you coast, there's only one direction you can go. That's downhill. We've got to run this race because the enemy of your soul is out to get you. Why don't you take the hand of the person beside you tonight? In the name of the Lord Jesus, I want you to pray for strength and I want you to pray for vigilance. Father, do not let us be taken unawares. Do not let us get lazy. Don't let us become lax. Don't let us become sloppy in our walk with you. Father, let us be vigilant. Cause our mind, our spirit to be vigilant if anything's trying to sneak in. If any false doctrine is trying to sneak in, it's not time to let down on the message. It's not time to let down on consecration. It's not time to let down on holiness. It's not time to let down on the doctrine. God, I pray, give us a spirit of vigilance. My Lord, my King, I pray tonight that you would cause us to continue to fight in the battle. Not to be weary in well-doing, understanding that if we will just keep going, you are going to give a full harvest in the end. Lord, let us not be lax. Let us not be like the Laodiceans. Father, I don't want to be lukewarm because of what you bless me with. I want to give all of the glory to you. Help us, Father, to be watchful in the name of Jesus.